This is the Creative Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Cheryl Benji, and today's guest is Joseph Mernick. He is going to talk about how you can find your unique style in what you create. And Joseph will give you some pointers and talk about how he got into creating comic book art. At 6'4", it's a little wonder. Joseph likes thinking big. He's an art director, illustrator, thespian author, business owner, radio DJ, father and husband, and fine artist known as Hero Collage, where he takes vintage comic books, reinterpreting them into large-scale works of art. And in this podcast, we are going to talk about how he cuts up these vintage comic books into tiny little pieces and puts them back together kind of like a puzzle and creates these beautiful images of the characters and superheroes from the comic books. Um, And it really is beautiful and so creative uh, with what he comes up with. Uh, I met him through a platform by the name of Saturday Night Live Art Shows and it's been such a beautiful journey to see how his art has evolved and one of my favorites uh, was a a Wonder Woman um, collage he created out of these comic books. Uh, So please stay tuned and I hope you really uh, get inspired by this episode. You are listening to the Creative Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Cheryl Benji. I'm an artist, art educator, and creative coach. I'm here to share my journey and experience with you. I also interview other artists and creatives and share their words of wisdom. I believe we were all born to create. It just takes a little bit of practice, patience, and persistence to get to where you want to be. So please stay tuned for a magical episode. If you like this podcast episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and follow. It really would mean the world to me. Thank you. Hi, Joseph. Thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be the artist you are today. So my artist journey is a little bit unorthodox. Um, I actually started um, my career in advertising, um, graduated from a school in Detroit called the College for Creative Studies, the School of Art and Design in beautiful downtown Detroit, nestled right behind the Detroit Institute of Arts. And I had um, a lot of time to uh, let my schooling incubate and uh, what I wanted to go for was architecture. Mm. And then I realized that architecture um, had just a little bit too much math and uh, physics involved. You know, I couldn't just make things look cool. I had to make sure that they didn't fall down. And that was um, 
you know, that was definitely a sticking point for me who, who struggled in, um, in math and in, in physics and such. So in the process of me trying to figure things out, I just took a lot of art classes um, and ended up going to um, the College for Creative Studies and then graduated from there with an art direction degree. And I started my career in advertising um, in Detroit, moved around the country and um, started my own advertising agency and called Brantatorship. And that's been 10 years now in the making. And uh, my art side has always been something that has been prevalent because, you know, I was always a creative individual and um, liked to, you know, figure out how things uh, worked. And it was just a natural necessity for my job. And, um, you know, so the artwork side of it sort of grew in tandem and is now on a parallel path uh, with what I do for living, which is my, uh, you know, which is my advertising career. So it's. Definitely uh, an unorthodox. I certainly never expected to be someone who would consider themselves to be a fine artist. Um, that was just never in the cards for me. And I'm glad now that it is. Me too. I love seeing your work. And I was really captivated by your work because my son is really into Marvel comics and just comics. And I would go to the movies with them and, you know, watch everything about and be in that world with him and so when I watch you create and see what you do I find it really beautiful and fascinating and so detail oriented uh, how did you get into like what inspired you to create that type of work well I think in the the life of a creative person you know your brain is always on for good or bad and um, growing up as a child, I never really, uh, I never really collected comic books. I I did some, uh, but I certainly wouldn't consider myself to be a comic book collector. But the ones that I did collect, I collected strictly for um, the artists that were drawing the particular issues that I was collecting. I was a really big fan of of George Perez growing up, or Brian Stelfreeze. And their just illustration style is something I gravitated to. So I would collect some of those and just to, you know, to do things properly, I, you know, I put them in plastic sleeves and had them in a little box, but the box that I had was very, very small. And it had been sitting in my basement for years. You know, when my wife and I moved from across the country, we, the box moved with us and then stayed in another shelf and then got moved again and then moved again. And every time I would, um, Every time I would walk by the box in the basement, I would look at it and say, you know, those are going to get destroyed someday. I'm going to eventually throw them out because of mold, water, mildew, whatever. And then so I thought to myself, well, if they're going to eventually get destroyed someday, I might as well be the one who destroys them. So I pulled mm -hmm. the box up and then I, I saw some, uh, I was inspired by some people who had done some stuff similar uh, over in uh, Europe. And I just thought, you know, to myself, I've got all this material. How do I make something out of it? And so that's where I'm at today. That's really, that's really the, the genesis of, of this particular idea came from just walking by that box all the time and thinking to myself, you know, it's going to get destroyed. How do I, how do I sort of take control of that situation and destroy them myself? Right. And a lot of people like collect those comic books. And I wonder yeah. like, you know, what they might think like, oh my gosh, she's just tearing it apart. But I mean, you're making a beautiful art piece by it. So yeah, like there's, that is definitely 
one of the top questions that I get, you know, is, is how can I take a vintage comic book, cut it up into thousands of pieces and destroy it and ruin it. And um, the one thing that I say all the time, there's a couple of things. One, which is the, the value of the comics actually goes up for individuals that have collected those comics because in theory, I'm taking some out of circulation. So there's scarcity there. Um, and two, I actually like what is meant to be viewed linear. And I like taking it, deconstructing it, and then giving it back to the viewer to view all at once. And so I look at it as a way to celebrate the comic, not necessarily degrade or diminish the comic. I look at it as I spend a lot of time before I cut anything up, looking at how the artist has constructed the framings, constructed the plot, the storyline, uh, where they've decided to spend a little bit more time uh, with the illustrations um, so that I could piece them out. I mean, it's for me, it's a puzzle without directions, but eventually when I tear it apart and my kids even, uh, you know, they would, the anxiety level of them seeing me cut up these comics that, you know, have what value to them and and I would tell my son, you know, Joseph all the time, I said, you know, the comic is worth way more to me right now in this form than it is in the book form. Because for me, like that's that's my in in my artist statement, that's why I say, you know, the comics, the true villain of any comic is are the elements. You know, when was the last time somebody read Superman number one or the, you know, the first incarnation of the X-Men or something? You know, these are all in plastic sleeves or in plastic you know boxes that no one gets to enjoy anymore and yeah so I I, I I take all those restrictions off and I say you know what look at it all at once I I just feel like you bring it to life mm -hmm. and make it a lot more interesting and fascinating in my point of view I mean you're turning into a a masterpiece you know and I I just love seeing your process and um, just all the details you put into it. And I know a lot of artists get like, sometimes they get annoyed by this question, but how long does one piece take? And I know it depends on the size, but what, what is your time frame on like? Yeah. I mean, it does depend on the size. I think that's true in any artist, no matter what medium you use. I think you're exactly right, Cheryl. I think that that certainly is that case, but um, the way that I work is I actually take certain storylines and I recreate those storylines. So for instance, the piece that's behind me right now with the Flash, like that's only the first four issues of the Flash comic that I use. I don't use any other comic as filler. Mm -hmm. And so when I start to create a piece, I have to take into account, does the comic itself have the colors that I need to satisfy the piece that I'm making? Um, because like I said, I don't use anything as filler. And I don't use any additional comics or multiple runs of the comics. So it definitely is something that is a puzzle without directions um, because I only have so much red. You know, yeah. one of the things that I say all the time is with a traditional artist, if you were to give that artist um, 10 ounces of every color in the rainbow and said, make something out of this, any artist would be able to take those colors and, and paint something beautiful. But if the moment you use some of the red, also the black the yellow and every other color starts to go down that's where the challenge for me comes in because comics are inherently two-sided so whatever i use on the front i sacrifice on the back mm -hmm. so i have to make sure that as i go through i'm not 
um, preventing myself from being able to use that color. So all those things factor into the time. So back to your original question, how long does it take? It really is a, a, an open-ended question. Some of them are, are very easy to create. And, um, you know, it's a maybe a six-week process. Some wow. of them have been much longer than that. The, my largest scale one, which I've titled War of the Gods, which was a recreation of the of the issue number one of the War of the Gods, which was published in 1991, uh, which featured 25 separate comics to recreate the first issue, uh, took me two years to do. Now it wasn't a, uh, a it wasn't me working on it solid because I started it right at the beginning of the pandemic. But uh, you know, if I was to do that one solid, it probably would have taken me close to a year because it's all hand cut. You know, it's all hand cut with an exacto blade. There's nothing that is done uh, by machine. And so when you're talking about fine little details, you know, there's sometimes I'm cutting a little piece that is less than a quarter inch by an eighth of an inch in size because it needs to be in a specific spot. And so, you know, it definitely, it definitely gets to be there. But, you know, the, the time question is a big one, uh, you know, because that's the, the true nature of any artist, right? That's our only one resource that we can't get any more of. And so exactly. whatever we decide to devote our time to is... Uh, it needs to needs to have needs to add value needs to fill our soul and so forth so yeah i definitely see the love you put into it and yeah. actually flash is my son's one of his favorites um yeah he loves that character um how did you find your style and what advice do you have for the creatives out there who are struggling to find you know i i know in the beginning i struggled myself and i had um, other artists help guide me on, you know, how to find that certain style and originality. I think that style is something that you cultivate over time. I think it's not something that you come right out of the gate and say, this is my style. This is what I'm doing. It has to be something that's curated over time. I can look back on my career now and and know all of the points, all the divergent points that allowed me to get to this. But there's no way that coming out of school I would have been able to do this because I just didn't have the, I just wasn't mentally there ready to accept that ability to have that come into my life, right? And so I think that it's really, um, when trying to find your style, you just have to hone your craft and you have to do things that you enjoy doing. So that way, it sets you up into areas where you can get lucky. And I use that term lucky because people that are lucky are people that are in it every day. And it, yes. it's considered yeah. luck, but it's really, I mean, it's just a product of, of doing your hard work all the time. And once you get into that, that zone of being able to hone your craft, then you start to realize, oh, this is the rule that I learned and this is how I'm going to break it because this is how I now interpret this um, this piece and this is how I'm going to eventually embrace that as part of my style and so that's, for me it's it's all based on um, taking all of your things that you've done over the course of the year over the course of your lifetime and finding your style that way and then at some point some point in your life the light bulb will go off and you're going to go like that's it. Yes. This is what I was meant to do. And, and it's until that point, and it's going to happen. It may take five years, it may take 15 years, but for the most part, it's going to happen, especially when you stay diligent in your craft. 
And so, you know, when, when finding your style, finding your own unique voice, just got to also understand too, that everything has been done before. And the, the life of an artist isn't to try to find um, uniqueness. It's to try to find uniqueness within your voice. Yes. There are certainly um, plenty of people that utilize comics as, uh, as their paint, as their palette. Um, my interpretation of that is I take uh, storylines, complete storylines and say, this is a reinterpretation of this. You know, I don't cut up comics and use them as Lego and just sort of fill in pieces. It is a reinterpretation of what you see versus what is on the page. And so you just got to find your own style. And um, one book that actually that I love, yeah, it's my favorite book. It's um, a book by the, um, by the choreographer Twyla Tharp and it's called The Creative Habit. And I just think that's a book everybody should read. I mean, it's such a, a wonderful um, book. I give it to all of my employees when uh, when they get hired. It's just it's a book that resonates really well with me. And it's um and she actually talks a lot about you know finding your style in that book too. Okay, nice. Um, I always love hearing about good books to read for mm-hmm. creatives, uh, as I, I find it really helpful. Um, and what I've realized too is that it's important not to compare yourself to other artists in the beginning. I would compare myself or try to be like another artist because I saw, wow, well, they're really successful at what they're doing. And maybe if I do more of that style, I will become like them, but it just takes you down a rabbit hole and doesn't really get you anywhere. So I've learned the hard way with that, that you can't (laughs) look at other artists and what they're doing and really focus and hone in on your own, what you, like you said, what you enjoy and what you enjoy doing and what uh, brings you light. Um, so I, I find that well, advice very good. Yeah. And what you're, cause what you're unfortunately doing to yourself, if you compare yourself to another artist, you're comparing another yourself to another artist after they've already gone through that journey of finding out who they are. Yes. And then it's a, it's in a way you're, you're skipping all of those mental steps to get you to where you are based on how somebody else has already solved the problem. And so I do understand the whole notion of wanting to compare yourself. I mean, I still do it all the time myself of seeing people on social media saying, Oh, maybe I should be doing this. Maybe I should be doing that, you know? And, um, and then you always have to sort of take a step back and recognize that the you're seeing people at their best after they've already gone through all of the failure. Yes. Yes. And I've talked about that before in my podcast where I haven't seen all their struggles or like when they've made it, but we don't see all the years that they put into their craft. And uh, yeah, I find that to also be an issue where um, people focus in on the success and everything they've acquired in the end. And it's still a journey after they've gone to that, you know, point in their career, in their art career. Um, but I wish there would be more focus on the journey and everything that that person went through to get to where they are now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love watching other artists show me their process. Mm-hmm. I love seeing how they've deconstructed something in an attempt to make something look so effortless in the end. 
like to me that's I find that to be fascinating and so I, I completely agree with you yeah yeah did you ever have any like limiting thoughts or fears um becoming an artist well I you know I think every artist goes through the the feelings of is this something that I should be doing does it it does it is it going to have a voice is it going to resonate with people am I doing it in a vacuum uh, I think every artist has those yeah I think that's one of the things that is a it's a good thing because we're always artists are always having to be introspective and I think there's a there's a way that that's a very healthy thing for us for artists to be in uh, I'd say for me one of the biggest things for me was just um was utilizing somebody else's work as paint you know and I think that was uh, a big big uh, barrier for me you know to say like you know is this something that I'm am I breaking copyright laws am I breaking mm. uh, is it something that is a, a cop-out because I'm not using a brush to paint the black lines when I do it I am using a um, you know some paint markers and, and it's always sort of again putting myself up to this level of other artists to say well but they use a brush so artists use brushes so I should use a brush it's like no it's not like that's that's not the case and yeah. like I said every every artist's uh, journey is different and how you get to that end result is needs to be personal to yourself um, because it's authentic and it's your voice and and so forth but yeah I, I struggled a lot with going to um, just utilizing other people's material because I'm using I'm cutting out you know images of the flash or something and that was drawn by yet another person and um, you know and I I went down to Art Basel uh, in Miami and some of my work was was down there and nice. uh, so I went to to Miami just to see things and you know I just I was really reassured by walking through those exhibits and those exhibition uh, locations and just seeing how people have interpreted pop art and how they utilize that to, to, to tell a voice. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that have, um, that have utilized um, individuals like this. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm actually paying for the copyrighted material. I can do what I want with that. I can store it in a book. I can burn it. I can cut it up into little pieces and use it in artwork. Because I've already personally satisfied the copyright by purchasing, by purchasing the comments. So. Right, right. Do you have any words of wisdom for the creative spirits out there? Um, yeah, you know, for me, there's a lot of little nuggets that I've always taken. Um, like for me, if it's if it's offbeat or surprising, it's probably useful. You know, if if you are walking around and you see something that's a little bit odd, store it away, uh, file it away because it's going to be useful. It's those little oddball moments to me that I, that are the the ones that that are the, for me, the most, most useful ones. The big one for me is actually, um, is uh, drawing what you see, not what you think you see. Mm -hmm. I think there's, uh, you know, I, I love to draw. I've always got a pencil um, at the ready. Um, and one of the biggest things that, that people have always asked me is I don't understand how you can draw. Like I, people for me are stick figures. And I said, well, it's, it's a matter of just drawing what you see, not what you think you see. So if you were to say, if I were to put an apple in front of you and, and I said, draw the apple, you know, most people would take their pencil and they'd start to draw and they, and then their brain takes over 
because they know what an apple looks like. They've eaten apples, they've drawn apples, they've seen them, they've picked them, they've whatever, you know, they've drinking juice. And so their brain starts to draw what they think an apple looks like, not what the apple is that's in front of them. And then when they finally are done, they're like, oh, well, shoot, you know, this apple looks nothing like the apple that's in front of me. But if you take the time to study the apple that's in front of you, they say, this negative shape has more of a flat side. Maybe it doesn't have a stem. Maybe it is, um, instead of all red, it's got a little bit of green on the side. And when you start to just really take notice of the environment that's around you, because essentially that's what artists do, right? We are, we're noticers, we're disturbers of the peace. We take things and we, and then if you start to just draw what you see, not what you think you see, then, um, then your success will be magnified um, 100%. I do think that's a very valuable skill. Um, and yeah. That's great advice. I've never heard that one. I like it. That's good. Um, and where can people find you and your work? So you can find me on uh, online on the website, which is josephmarinick.com, J-O-S-E-P-H-M-A-Y-E-R-N-I-K.com. Uh, there is all links to my work. Um, and then also on Instagram, uh, my current handle is Hero Collage, H-E-R-C-O-L-L-A-G-E. And uh, I've been, you know, working there for, for quite a while and it's fun. I really love enjoying posting reels, posting my own process, because um, I think it's really important for artists to share, again, their yes. struggles and their and their successes. So every time I cut my fingers, you know, I, I usually, you know, say this is another time I cut my hand, you know, and my hands aren't necessarily too happy with me. But yeah. uh, and I just want to say, I, I really am so happy I met you through the platform Saturday Night Live Art Shows, which I've talked about before. Um, I've met so many great artists from there and interviewed them. And this was always like a dream of mine to do a podcast interviewing artists from Saturday Night Live Art Shows. And I've really enjoyed watching your process. And um, like I said before, it feels like we know, we, I mean, we've, I think you have been doing it with us for like two years now, two, yeah, two years. three years. Yeah, two years. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's nice to get to know other artists through there and to finally um, talk to you here and uh, get to know you better in your process. So thank you for being here with me. You're welcome. You know, I really enjoyed um, seeing all of the Saturday Night Live art shows. And that's actually one of the things for me as an artist that was very intimidating. You know, we talked a, a lot about, you know, seeing what other artists do and um, just the sheer um, presence and composure that um, like say, you know, you or Brooke or Nicole, they just have on camera. Um, and then week after week after week, being able to um, share your artwork and then also share the platform with other artists, uh, you know, was always very, intimidating and then also very uh, like I really wanted to be part of that network and that group because of what you were all striving to do which is really just bring artwork to people and at a time when artwork was not available arts and culture you know for the pandemic really suffered a lot and yeah. um, you know and so to be able to utilize social media in a way that helps uh, helps the entire you know, uh, platform. It helps helps the entire sort of industry as yeah. far as artists go. I think was a was a beautiful way to utilize social media at a time when artists really needed 
that the most. And so, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for showing up because it's, it's hard. It's a little challenging for a lot of artists to where a lot of us are introverts and, you know, hide behind our artwork. And it was hard for me in the beginning to do those videos and it, it was a little nerve wracking. So I understand. So when artists like you show up and help boost that platform and, you know, you guys talk about your work and um, it, it makes it a lot more colorful and uh, beautiful. Uh, so, so thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's Creative Spirits podcast. If you would like to get to know me better, you can go to my website, CherylBenji.com, or follow me on Instagram at CherylBenji underscore art. If you would like a creative coaching session with me, please contact me through my website. You can also join my Creative Spirits Facebook group or Saturday Night Live Art Shows Facebook group. Please follow and share with anyone that might be interested in this podcast. It would mean the world to me. I believe in the butterfly effect and spreading the good vibes into the universe. You never know who you will impact by sharing. Love and light and magic always.